Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot, we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Welcome to Freezing Time with me, Sophia Money Coots, created by Offscript. Very exciting announcement to make. It's day 11 of taking my nasal spray and... I've just got my period. I <laughs> I actually realised and ran downstairs at my sister's house and shouted huge news and ran into the kitchen shouting it. Um, so I'm now going to ring the lister and tell them. And then hopefully I can go in maybe tomorrow or the next day and um, have my scan and pick up the injection. So here goes. Welcome to the Lister Fertility Hello, I'm Sophia Money Coots. I'm 35, single, and I'm freezing my eggs. In this podcast, I'm taking you through the story of my own egg freezing, as well as talking to experts and women from around the world. So far in this series, I've looked into fertility tests, the stigma around egg freezing, and whether or not I even want a baby, which is something I think about almost every day at the moment, and currently, today anyway. The answer is probably, but not quite yet. I decided to make this podcast because I realised there was very little actually known about egg freezing and how it works. And at the start, I promised that I'd record both the ups and downs of the process. In this episode, I don't want to put you off, but we cover a few of the downs with a counselling session I was offered as part of my egg freezing package, the effects of which really took me by surprise. Plus, a few really fun updates about my period. When I finally got my period after 11 days with a nasal spray, I was super keen to get started on the next phase, the more serious phase as I saw it, because all being well, that's when I would start the injections to encourage the eggs to grow. I'm normally like clockwork when it comes to periods, so being late seemed unusual to me. But don't panic if you have an irregular cycle and are thinking about freezing. According to Dr James, if you have irregular periods, they can still treat you using a different protocol or by regulating your period with a pill. Clever. Anyway, so I rang up the lister, I think more excited than I'd ever been in my life to have got my period, and I was told they'd call me back to book me in for a scan and to pick up my injections. So I'm sitting here waiting for the lister to call me back, reflecting about the fact I've just got my period. It feels kind of surreal, actually. Uh, I've been waiting for, what, uh, five days for this to happen, and all right it's the same thing that's happened pretty much for me every month since I was 12 but give or take the odd pregnancy panic with ex-boyfriends this feels like the most dramatic period of my life I suppose so yeah pretty surreal but pretty exciting too to get started I really want to get started um and daunting actually because this is when the injections are going to kick in other thoughts uh, when can I legitimately call the lister back? Because it is now 10 past two. I called them at five past one, announcing that I'd got my period and left a message for a nurse to call me back to make an appointment for my scan. And they haven't called me back yet. 
and I don't know if I can ring and harangue again. It feels a bit needy if I do that. Although I'm sure they're used to needy women haranguing them. Oh, this whole thing. It's like dating, waiting for a message from someone. Ironically, Patience is genuinely my middle name. I promise, I'm not kidding. My parents, the absolute jokers, decided that Sophia Money Coots wasn't quite silly enough. So I'm technically Sophia Patience Money Coots. Except not when it comes to waiting for phone calls from the fertility clinic. Okay, that's it. It is now 2.31. So I feel like I've been extremely patient and I'm going to ring the list back. So here goes. Welcome to the list of fertility. Oh, to go through all this again. Your call is important to us. Mm-hmm. After the call, I sent a voice note to producer Hannah with an update. Poor Hannah. She was essentially my husband through this whole process. Okay, so I just got off the phone to the lister having called them back at 2.30, like I said I would. Um, and they've booked me in for a scan, which is good, but the scan they've booked me in for one, two, three, four, five, six days from now. And I didn't think it could be that late. I thought once you got your period, you could, you rang the clinic and they booked you in like in the next day or so to start the injection. So I feel a bit disappointed, I suppose, about that because I just want to get going. And the nurse on the phone, when I queried the length of time, said, no, no, it can be days three to seven of your period. But it just worries me a bit because by that stage, I'm day six of my period or I I guess day six of my cycle it makes me I kind of want to be one of those people who posts on like mum's net or fertility forums being like is this okay I might just do some googling about that which is probably the worst thing to do because I'll probably find all these forums which say it's much better to do it earlier in the cycle I don't know anyway I just was really looking forward to getting started and get going with the whole thing and this feels like it pushes it back for a week because I think I then have to do injections for two weeks. So it kind of like adds on a whole other week to the process, it feels like. Anyway, so that's where I am. So I will carry on taking the nasal spray until Monday when I go in. And finally, get started with the injections. Having sent a message to my husband, Hannah, I called my mum to update her too. Exciting news though today, which is I got my period. <laughs> that is exciting. <laughs> kind of, right? What happens. Well, so then, although it's a bit annoying, I've just called the hospital and got an appointment on Monday. I was like, Monday, is that not too late? But I'm just a bit annoyed because I just want to get on with it at this point. Oh, I know, I know. But if they, they must know, so presumably that that's, you know, that yeah. doesn't have to be fine. What do they scan you then? What 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 do they find out there? What, what's the well? What's I the go thing? in and they do a scan. I think they look at like the number of follicles on my ovaries, and then they work out basically. I think what level of hormone. I can't believe that I mind this much though, and it's the beginning of the whole two week thing. <laughs> it makes me fear a little bit for what I might be like in two weeks' time. Well. Just stop worrying about that. Also, it's your vaguely competitive front coming up, isn't it? You want to have mm. as many eggs as possible <laughs> and do well. Yeah. Anyway, okay. Well, at least it started, so I, you know, at least I know what I'm I doing. Started. The starting pistol has gone. Yeah. Well, good luck. Keep me posted, will you? I will. I will. Yeah. I promise. Big hugs. Bye. 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 I think it's fair to say that my experience of egg freezing so far had been pretty straightforward, but I was super disappointed to have to wait nearly a week for the scan, when I thought originally I'd have it as soon as my period arrived. I think at this point it was partly the nasal spray hormones making me feel crap and low, 
but also that I just really wanted to get on with the injections and I was nervous about those. One thing that I really expected to breeze through was the optional counselling session the Lister Clinic offers. Great, I thought initially. I'll just have a quick chat with them to prove that I'm a rational human being who's fully on board with egg freezing and not remotely emotional about it. Actually, and I genuinely didn't expect this, it turned out quite differently. Hello. Hello, good afternoon. This is Sophia. Yes. Hi, it's Gosha here from Lister. Gosha, hi. Yes, hi. So, how how did you want to use this session? Well, there's just a few things. I mean, I think, I mean, there, there are still moments when I, I kind of, I suppose, moments of sadness when I think, okay, this isn't what all my friends are doing and this isn't... Um, you know, what I Mm -hmm. thought I'd be doing. And even moments of sort of fear when I think, ah, you know, should I have stayed with my ex-boyfriend? Have I made the wrong choice? You know, et cetera, et cetera. So I don't know, I don't know how to brave those moments or how best I should deal with those, I suppose, is what I'm asking you. Hearing this back really makes me laugh. It's very typically impatient me. It's like I've just walked into my GP asking for a repeat prescription, expecting her to be able to tell me it's all fine and I'll be in and out in 10 minutes. Like, hey, all these fears, can you just tell me they're fine? I explained to the counsellor that I'd first encountered egg freezing when taking my friend Ali to have her eggs frozen. I told her about how Ali had been too embarrassed to tell her parents or friends. I'm wondering how many of those feelings that your friend was experiencing you shared when you were making this decision. Can you relate to anything that she's gone through? Yeah, there's a part. I mean, I think, I think there's a sense that I'm, I'm talking about this a lot, and I'm writing. You know, my job as a journalist and a writer, I'm, I am, um, mm-hmm. I'm talking about this a lot, and I'm sort of, I'm trying to champion it and saying it's a really good thing for a lot of women publicly. Uh-huh. Um, I can sense that there's a little bit of me being quite gung ho and trying to sort of paper over um, any sadness. So yeah, I guess with my friend. She was pretty emotional. She, you know, has moments of feeling very sad that she's single. She's now 35. So, yeah, I guess, like, in common with a lot of women who would be going through this, I have, you know, moments of of sadness that I'm on my own. Um, Fear, you know, that I'm sort of still on my own when all around me it looks like many other people aren't. So, yeah, I can totally sense that I share some of those emotions with her. But I... I think I'm trying to tell myself, and I do believe it, um, that it is a, the good and most proactive thing I could be doing at the moment. So listen, rationally speaking, you know that this is a good thing for you, but, but emotionally, how up to speed are you with your thinking? Yeah, that's probably, um, that's probably fair. I think I, I've always been more... Um, I try to always be more rational than emotional. So I think I'm quite good or have historically been quite good at trying to sort of shut down any uncomfortable feelings. So I suspect, yeah, maybe underneath there's um, sort of worries or angst about it all. What worries are you referring to? Um, I suppose worries that, you know, what if this round doesn't work? Could I get, you know no eggs or two eggs or Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. um what if down the line 
you know, I've frozen some eggs, but they don't work anyway. Um, I think even doing this, I have a sort of melodramatic, well, does this mean I'm going to be on my own sort of forever lurking fear? Because it feels like a very independent thing to do. And I know I'm very independent, but um, Mm -hmm. yeah, I, you know, is there such a thing as too much independence if I'm, you know, doing this and very sort of noisily saying that this is what I'm doing and it's a great thing, but, you know, is this going to put off anybody else from ever wanting to sort of be with me kind of thing? That's definitely a fear. So it's all about the unknowns. Yeah, I guess that's fair. Okay. It felt very much like she was scratching away at stuff I'd managed not to think about in too much detail. But at this stage, I was still okay. I felt like I could handle it. I've had therapy before. I know this is their job. Keep cool, Sophia. You can do it. So you were saying about your friend and you going with her to the clinic and being there with her, so you're the support for her. Mm-hmm. You're also talking about doing this podcast and, and writing about it and championing it and so on. So, so kind of supporting other women. But I'm, I'm really curious who is there for you. Um, uh, my family, my family, very supportive. Okay. Um, I feel very lucky with that. Like they're totally championing this as well Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. and friends. And I get a lot of support, you know, every time I've, um, I've got a bit teary. Um, Every time I've written about this or talked about it, you know, lots of other women come forward and they say, thank you so much because I've just done my first round or my second round and you know, it is still very taboo or I felt really embarrassed about talking about it to anyone else, etc. So I, yeah, I do feel like there's a, I, I, yeah, I, I have support. I have support. Okay. What, what did we touch then? Um, I guess, yeah, I guess it's just, it's just an emotional process to be doing, um, you know, I know friends who've who've had IVF, couples who've had IVF, and it's a hideous, hideous, grueling thing. But I think one of the tough things about egg freezing that I've realised more recently is that women are going through it on their own. Um, yeah, and you can have the most supportive family and parents and siblings and friends in the world, but, you know, it still comes down to, you know, at the moment, particularly at the moment because of, um, obviously, COVID, going into hospital for appointments on your own. There's something kind of a little bit tragic you know I was in the waiting room for my pre-assessment and generally I think at fertility clinics I've seen more couples than I've seen single people Mm -hmm. um yeah and I think it just can drum home the sense of um sort of singledom sometimes all of this I guess so something about being on your own with, with however much support you have. Yeah, which I, I mean, I've, I've definitely been always one of those people who's more single than more in relationships. Um, and I'm largely... What do you mean by that? <laughs> um, well, you know, I've got friends who kind of go from relationship to relationship and that's never, ever been me, I guess. And I've never been like that. And I sometimes worry, like, is there something wrong with me? Because I, you know, I'm 35. I've had um three major relationships mm-hmm. um but I suspect my sort of emotion now and my fears about 
the egg freezing are down to the sort of insecurities I feel about my own personal relationships. Like I've never made it work. Um, and there always, you know, there seems to be endless drama when it comes to me and relationships. So in a way, I think that's why I've become so independent because I've been like, okay, fine, I'll do it. I'll do it by myself. And that's going to be easier. Less, there's less drama, you know, potentially less hurt and so on. So that's kind of what I've made my thing in a way. Like I'll be totally fine on my own. But I think obviously, you know, deep down, it's still uh, a touchy subject for me. Feels when I listen to you that making this decision would kind of a magnifying glass on your life. I don't know how well you heard that last line because the sound from our call is a bit dodgy, but she used this brilliant phrase it's put a magnifying glass on your life. And that's it, that's totally it. By choosing to undergo egg freezing, it's like an admission to yourself that life isn't where you thought it might be as a young girl, or a teenager, or in your 20s. It forces you to confront various truths about where you are right now and perhaps what's happened with past relationships, which might make you uncomfortable. Or at least, it did with me. And it also makes you think about the future and consider what that will look like. Will I end up having a baby by myself? It's a big question. Every now and then, I guess it's important to think about these things, but it's pretty much inevitable that this will make you feel emotional too. Yeah. Sounds like you have to question a lot. Yes. And get in touch with the losses that you've gone through. Mm-hmm. Which is a good thing, right? <laughs> to be in touch with all this. How does it feel for you to be in touch with it? Um, sad on like many levels. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, sad, but I guess something that I... Sad... But but I'd rather get in touch with it and address it than not. I mean, I used to be like the queen of burying stuff and never ever, ever looking at it um, or looking at anything uncomfortable. Mm-hmm. I've got better at that definitely in recent years. Clearly, You're still. Um, uh, I think my past two relationships, I realised how sort of averse I was to um, to looking at anything that made me uncomfortable, to even raising conversations in relationships that would make okay. me feel uncomfortable. Um, okay. So I, I and I know that is a problem, and I know going forward, like I have to get better at that. Um, okay. How is how is this now? Talking about this. Yeah. No. Good. Good. Uh, if that feels fine, actually. But it's it's always previously, you know, in in relationships, sometimes if there had been something that I felt like I really needed to discuss with a boyfriend, I literally couldn't even get the words out. I'd like lie in bed. <sighs> be willing myself to try and bring up whatever, you know, upset me or annoyed me. And I literally sort of couldn't, I'd have to really psych myself up um, to be able to do it. But this, yeah, this is okay. I mean, I definitely, I think I've maybe got more emotionally aware in the past couple of years. I just haven't had a relationship to practice it in. (laughs) 
If you thought the only way to get a more defined jawline with natural-looking results was through surgery, think again. Juvederm Volux XC is a non-surgical injectable gel filler that improves moderate to severe loss of jawline definition and can help you achieve natural-looking results with little downtime. Even better, this improved definition lasts up to one year with optimal treatment. No maintenance required. Improve jawline definition for a smooth, sculpted look with Juvederm Volux XC. For important safety information and to find a licensed specialist, visit Juvederm.com. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M.com. Not for people with severe allergic reactions, allergies to lidocaine, or the proteins used in Juvederm. Common side effects include injection site redness, swelling, pain, tenderness, firmness, lumps, bumps, bruising, discoloration, or itching. There's a risk of unintentional injection into a blood vessel, which can cause vision abnormalities, blindness, stroke, temporary scabs, or scarring. Talk to a licensed specialist to find out if it's right for you. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot, we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com/switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. And it sounds like in this really unsure time, because what's happening and so on, you're kind of taking control of one part of your life, right? Yeah. I think I can be, yeah. I can be a control freak at the best of times. So I think, I guess you this are. Yeah, in yeah, in some ways. Um Okay. So I think this is how I've decided that to sort of tell myself it's okay. It's okay, I'm not gonna be sort of left behind by all my friends having children and babies because okay. I can make this thing happen by myself. Okay. So there is something about the fear of being left behind. Yeah, that's definitely children. I remember like I remember years ago, maybe five, six years ago, when one of my best friends told me she was uh, pregnant. It was her first baby. And I remember really vividly in my head at that time thinking, oh, my God, okay, she's she's met someone. She's fallen in love. They've gone out for however long, a couple of years. They've got married. They've, they've now bought a house, and now she's pregnant. And I remember after that lunch counting on my fingers and working out that meant she was like seven steps ahead of me in life and I don't know if it's because my my extreme innate competitiveness it, that was what was causing that um okay because I look at a lot of my um my friends relationships and actually there's there's not that many that I would want myself that's the sort of contradiction mm-hmm. um you know I'd rather be myself than than the vast majority actually of you know relationships and I'm aware enough to know that you know as my dad always said to me, the only two people who know what's going on in a relationship are the two people in it. So obviously, you know, things are never that rosy underneath, but I, I guess there's something about this stage of life for women, thirties, early thirties, mid thirties, and so on. If you're on your own and, and you can just see families growing all around you that, yeah, that potentially does make you feel like you're just, yeah, being left behind. It sounds to me, and please correct me if I'm wrong, it sounds to me like, yeah, like you've had a plan. Um, yeah, I don't, 
I don't when know. You talk about you... seven steps behind. Yeah, no, no, no. I've never consciously, I've never, ever, ever been one of those um, women who like. I didn't have a. I'm going to be married by thirty and have children by thirty five. I, I didn't okay. actually, and I've never. I've really never. Um, I've never been one of those people who imagined my wedding. My parents. I always joke that everyone in my family is divorced, so I'm quite wary of marriage, which is mm-hmm. probably also, you know. Um, I have issues about, I think, which I've tried to work on recently. Um, but I've, yeah, I don't, I didn't consciously have a plan. And in fact, actually, part of my, um, the reason I think I took so long to mull over egg freezing is that I am still not that aware of a biological clock. Like I never knew that I definitively wanted to have children in my life. Okay. Um, this has definitely changed a bit recently and I know now that at some point I would love them in my life if I, if I can, but I still don't feel like I still don't feel any sort of mad biological urge that I can sense. Okay. So this is about making sure that you have the opportunity. Yes, exactly. Still with me? A bit heavy, right? We'll get back to the period gag soon. I promise. But then the counsellor, like an absolute sledgehammer, went on to ask me another pretty brutal question. You have talked to, uh, to Dr. Nikopoulos, I'm sure, right? Yes. You, you've had a session with him, you've had a consultation. Yeah. So he would have explained to you the likelihood of this working. Right? Yeah. So you know, I imagine, that there is a possibility it won't work. Yeah. Yeah. So if there was no baby at the end of this journey... Yeah. What would that be like? I um, I guess I just um. What's happening now for you? Yeah, I mean that made me feel a bit sad because I just again uh-huh. feel like is that then kind of life on my own forever? Like I I read this book a few months ago um by an American woman. Uh, called In Her Own Sweet Time. And there was a line in there, which I keep sort of telling myself and I keep quoting, which is, uh, she was saying about herself, she said, I have forever to find someone, but I don't have forever to find a, to have a baby. Um, uh, I guess, I mean, I think it all, it all comes down to my fear and sadness about relationships, this really. Like, yeah, if I try and think about the future and there is no baby, and still no relationship that I feel pretty like lonely at that idea, uh-huh. I guess is the thing. So the fear of loneliness. Yeah. And I just spend a lot of time, I think telling myself that I'm sort of independent enough and strong enough to, to ride it out. And I know plenty of amazing women who are on their own. You know, my mum actually, my mum has been on her own for a long time. Um, yeah, and it's you know not easy, but I I think I do believe if God how much better that than than being in a relationship which is making you miserable. Um, so I do believe that, but I still yeah I definitely have a fear of that at the same time, kind of contradictorily. Okay, it is emotionally charged process. You, you talk about thinking about it for one. One and a half years. Yeah. It's been ahead of for you. Huge decision. Yeah. It comes with like I like we said earlier, kind of looking at your life really. Yeah. 
it comes also what I see with accepting some of the losses that bring you to a place where you have to decide to do this. Yes. Yeah, totally. Things that haven't worked out. I'm wondering whether this is part of the grieving for that. Yeah, potentially. I mean, I still, yeah, I, I still definitely get quite sad about the ending of my last relationship, which was horrible and very mm. sad. And there are bits of it that I still don't actually understand totally. Um, yeah. So, yeah, potentially. I, I Yeah, this feels like to me it's more tied up with relationships than uh-huh. my fears about motherhood or the lack of it, I think. Uh-huh. Which is interesting because I, I hadn't appreciated that before. Jesus Christ, this woman is thorough. Although, I guess that's her job. She then asks how I feel about the financial implications of freezing. Pretty sick, but just about okay with it, thanks. And whether I'm worried about the physical impact it will have on my body. Again, yes, because I've heard unsubstantiated rumours that my ovaries will swell to the size of watermelons. There's also one other thing I feel a bit awkward talking about. There's a part of me that thinks I can't I'm, very, I'm so lucky to be in this position to be able to do this, to be able to afford to do this. Mm-hmm. Um, and therefore, I sort of have got to not... There's a little bit of me that thinks like tear, tears and um, emotions. It's almost like they're a bit silly because I'm so lucky and I'm sort of very privileged that I can be doing this. So there's a little bit of me that I can feel sort of eye rolling at me getting upset because it's like, come on, this is an amazing thing that you can do and that you can afford to do. So, so why the crying in a way, if that makes sense. Okay. Well, I wonder whether you're mixing two things here. The one that you are fortunate to be able to do it. Yeah. The other one that you are like every other woman who has feelings about this. Yeah. I think you started talking to me at the beginning how valid those feelings are and I think I just wanted to remind you that yeah that the feelings are valid and it makes sense that you feel that way yeah I guess it's just it's like a lot of people it's sort of we're our own worst critics right Hmm. it's sort of well yeah I think we you know it's that thing of we talk far more harshly to ourselves a lot of the time than we would ever talk to you know, our closest friends or family, that little voice in our heads is pretty, can be pretty mean to ourselves. Okay, and what would you say to your best friend? I, well, I would tell her not to beat herself up and not to be so hard about her, you know, like, of course she's allowed to be um, emotional about, about doing this kind of thing. Um, I guess it's that very old sort of English thing of like, you know, pull yourself together. Um, sort of attitude. So why do you not deserve the same empathy that you would give to your friend? No, I do. I know. I know. Um, I know that I, I do. There's just still that little voice. I sort of do understand that. But there's a little part of me that still thinks, oh, for like God's sake, stop grumbling. <laughs> okay. This is a great yeah. thing. This is a great thing to be doing. And this is... You know, you're very lucky, etc. But I, I just have got to learn to try and, um, yeah, try and not be so harsh on myself, I guess. It's one of those things that a lot of issues boil down to. Don't be so harsh on yourself. 
Sometimes life goes your way, and sometimes it doesn't. And we can't always control that. When I'd stopped reeling from the surprising counselling session, I vaguely remember thinking I wanted a glass of wine, and then I remembered that it was around 11 in the morning, and also that technically I wasn't supposed to be drinking. So instead I jumped on Zoom to tell producer Hannah what had happened. How did you feel about the counselling session, like, when you came out of it? When I came out of the counselling session, I was exhausted, actually. I found it way more emotional than I had suspected. And I, like I say in that session, I've done therapy before. I've, after my past two breakups, done quite a lot of therapy and sort of sitting and talking and crying, you know, with a counsellor. But I didn't think I would with this one. And she just touched on a couple of, I guess, my insecurities, mostly about relationships and that sort of made me cry a bit. So I felt quite, yeah, I felt quite tired coming out, but sort of in a good way. Like it had helped me sort of, I mean, I think it's very, I, I, I can be very gung-ho and I kind of, I, it's like I have a sort of suit of armor that I carry on through life and it's like, it's fine, it's fine, I'm fine, it's all fine, everything's fine. And I think every now and then it's probably quite good for me to let my guard down a bit and and be vulnerable, I guess, and think actually, yeah, this is, quite a big deal this operation and I didn't necessarily think this was something that I would do in my life and it is and that's great on so many levels but yeah equally you're allowed to feel a bit upset or low that you're doing this at the same time okay here's my promise to you the next episode has more lols but I did say I'd share the ups and downs with you and after 12 days of nasal spray and on day two of my period when it's not like anyone ever feels like doing the hula my mood was flagging it's day 12 of the nasal spray, which I've just taken. And I just feel a bit flat. So I've been for a walk to try and um, sort of feel any remote sense of enthusiasm for today. Ugh, day 13 of the nasal spray. I actually Googled symptoms again for like the hundredth time this morning. And I've got a list of them in front of me from a website. So one nasal irritation, which I don't think I've had. Hot flushes. It makes me think I have been a bit hot at night and I'm not sleeping that well. So yes, potentially. Mood swings. Yes, 100%. I want to murder pretty much every single member of my own family. Headaches. Yeah, a couple of them. Next, an increase in pubic hair, which I'm um, not sure about, to be honest. I haven't really looked down there because the next side effect is a decrease in any sort of sexual interest, a decrease in libido, which is also definitely true. I feel like if who, like if Tom Hardy asked me out on a date, I'd probably say, no, thanks. I want to stay in and eat a packet of crisps on the sofa. Uh, Dandruff, don't think so. Increased body odour, quite hard to tell after 13 weeks of lockdown. It might just be my smell now. I'm not sure. Uh, Fatigue and lack of energy. Yes. Weight gain and bigger breasts. Oh, I hate that word. Um, But also, big fat yes. I've woken up feeling incredibly bloated. A bit like Bruce Bogtrotter after he's made to eat that chocolate cake by Miss Trunchbull in Matilda. Something was making me very Eeyore-ish. Not that Eeyore ever had a period, presumably. God, why am I talking about Eeyore's periods? Shut up, Sophia. You're interrupting yourself. Okay, so yes, day... 14. I've been taking the nasal spray now for two weeks exactly. And having been really miserable yesterday, I mean, genuinely, I went for a walk at one point 
round Crystal Palace Park because I was like, I've got to go outside. I hadn't been outside once. And I put my sunglasses on and cried <laughs> by my sunglasses for the walk. I just felt really lower than I could remember for a very long time. And I sort of knew that it was the fake hormones that I'm taking, but it doesn't really matter. You can, you know, you're still in that mood. You can't drag yourself out of it. And then luckily I woke up this morning like a different woman. It was as if I was a deep sea diver yesterday and overnight I swam up and have surfaced for air. I feel really quite perky actually. Maybe it's because it's a Friday. I don't know. Anyway, I'm much better, much happier. Um, so thank God for that. So there we go. An emotional instalment from me. In the next episode, I finally get my hands on the second batch of drugs and have a scan to discover how my ovaries are looking. I also find out why, in Britain, frozen eggs have to be destroyed after 10 years, but why the law might be about to change. I think the 10-year limit was plucked out of the air. I'm really confident that the law will be changed. Quite what it will look like, I don't know. Freezing Time was produced and written by Hannah Varrell and Sophia Money-Coots and created by Offscript. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns.